Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is a member of the Believe Podcast family. Um, that's spelled B L E A V. Uh, I did not misspeak and say believe wrong. It is believe. Just like like a like a slapping sound, believe. As the name of the network, it gives us ads sometimes. So I will say no more. Um, and with that, I am going to get on to uh, welcoming our guests, our great guests for this week. Uh, one time favor of mine. One of the people I've gotten to see just like start out from their comedy infancy and grow into this uh, rising shining star uh, who's currently in New York right now. Please give it up for Jared Goldstein, everybody. Hi. Hello, Jared. Hello, Jake. How is it going? How is, I mean, we, don't, we can't say quarantine or lockdown anymore. Uh, like how, how, how are things at this side of the pandemic? I think that's what I'm going to say now. This side of the pandemic. I like it. Yeah. How many sides are there? We'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> it's an octahedral decatron. <laughs> right. Or that would be the most disturbing but most watched game show on Netflix. <laughs> How many sides to the pandemic are there? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first side was sourdough. Yeah. First side was sourdough. Second, yeah. second side uh, was sourdough starter because people didn't know about that. <laughs> uh, and still hosted by Michelle Vito. Mm. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the whole series order, please. Right. Right. So you, um, started, you started lockdown in LA and then you, you're currently in New York. And uh, I mean, how's it, how are things? Yeah, things are good. Um, I just want to say uh, the, sorry, a truck just went by and, and like a, like a little dog, honestly, I just, Mm -hmm. It completely took over my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That truck just erased my mind. Okay. um, Oh, I just want to say thank you to the Comedy Bureau because uh, if I'm Ash Ketchum, the Comedy Bureau is my Pokedex and I could never become a Pokemon minister without it. Um, Thank you, Jared. That means a lot. Really? I mean, it's, it's a website that I check every single day. Mm-hmm. multiple times a day and right. uh, a debt of gratitude is owed from the uh, LA comedy community and now New York as well right um, thank you very much I think that truly made my day <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm glad yeah I'm it's, it's very easy to forget that I'm like that is what is true and when I just like like a dude doing this mm-hmm. all day long yeah but um have you gotten any for New the York? Ring. Uh, <laughs> we must kiss the ring. <laughs> we must kiss. I mean, yeah, part of why I wear rings. Um, yeah. Have you gotten to use it for New York? Um, not yet. Okay. Um, you know, I'm sort of hesitant and and uh, about going to open mics right now. Uh, right. Uh, I'm trying to like um, be selective with. Sure like how often I am crowding and crowded. Yeah, good on, good on you. Good on you for that. Um, and, and I mean, you have so many shows lined up in New York. I was just looking at this, but it's like through August 5th 
through August 26th, you have like, I'm, I'm guessing like 30 shows lined up. <laughs> They're all fake. They're all fake. Wait, yeah. so you, Jared will not be at Juicy at the Q tonight. No, I'm just making up words and letters. Yes. <laughs> God's favorite, two stupid queens. These aren't real. None of those are real. Yeah. Those are improv teams from 2004. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truly, probably. I mean, oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. I don't think, yeah, I think if you could, if there was a database, uh, that would be quite a bureau of yeah. all improv team names ever. Oh, there's a thing called the Improv Network, Jared, that is a like registered nonprofit. I don't know how updated it is, but that is technically what it is. <laughs> Isn't all improv a registered nonprofit? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You know, put that on a t-shirt for like the squirrel and like whatever the, the, the comedy co-op and the, the new ashes that have risen from the, the like the maybe death of UCP. Who knows? something yeah 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 no but there's a there's there's a gigantic diaspora of like improv and sketch because ucb isn't doing anything right now and like that's all gone to caveat and the asylum and like a little bit at the pit in new york and then here in la i mean lyric hyperion is still a bunch of question marks and franklin is still supposedly going to survive but do they have anything lined up no so, I mean, um, some improv teams, sketch teams will do some weird indoor outdoor stuff here and there. And then, I mean, Largo will have, you know, Ben Schwartz do something, but it's, yeah, it's few and far between. Yeah. 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 Praying but, for everyone. Yeah. But I have new, a bunch of New York shows listed on there too. It's not just Mike's. Mm-hmm. Also <laughs> in trying to figure out their scene, it's uh, it's a mess. I don't know what your take is on it is. In New York's comedy scene? Yeah, I mean, with, well, definitely figure out open mics. Um, Cause sure, yeah. So, so, so much. Yeah, I mean, it's, everything is so touch and go. And yeah, I used to go to mics when I would come here. Uh, uh, I'm from here, so I come a lot uh, and yeah, it was great. It was it was such a fun way to meet everybody and bomb with, <laughs> with like good material again. And like, oh my god, the way the way I would bomb uh-huh. at the creek. Uh huh. <laughs> oh, like, did you do that Saturday like, afternoon mic they used to have? Oh yeah, I would go yeah. to. I would go to. There's there's no mic I wouldn't go to, and I right. would go. To, this is probably like four years into comedy um, to just like face plant bomb in silence to like jokes you wrote three years ago Mm -hmm. at an open mic. Yeah. Four years into comedy is just like, wow, that'll like, I would, (laughs) I would limp back to like the Q train. Like, oh, it's good for me. It's good for me, you know? Even if it was, I remember I did a mic at the Creek when I uh, visited New York seven, eight years ago. And it was like, it was me and literally like five other friends, like not my friends. They were just like a friend group that were what I would like to describe as hanging out on stage. Oh like, man, yeah. 
apparently they went all to the same party and rather than talk about it to themselves they're like just sharing their version of the party on stage during their set totally and yeah and like nobody did well so also that's what it felt like when i first started doing comedy and going to echoes under sunset oh, and like yeah. watching like this packed room right. all of these like really cool east side people who um i just felt like i could and would never uh befriend right. and just watching them all like make each other laugh and like have all these inside jokes and right. just being so intimidated by Ashley Hamilton. <laughs> I saw her two nights ago. She still scares me. Oh my God. Yeah. How are, yeah. Pedro's out in, uh, in New York too. Is he around? Pedro Salinas? Yes. Yes. Oh, he, oh my God. I have the terror I feel. Really? In that man's eyes. You're triggered? Confident. He's too confident. You and can't hear you say it. You're Pedro not sure, but he is very tall. Too confident. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious because so much of his material is about how he's not confident. <laughs> it's all an act. Hollywood, baby. It's lies. Oh, sure. Oh, he like put secretly after he gets off stage, he puts on like a leather jacket like he's dice. Yeah. <laughs> and <some laughs> sunglasses at night. <laughs> Fingerless gloves. Hell yeah. Oh, man. I want to see that alter ego, Pedro. Um, Fingerless gloves have become really functional now with with touch screens. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Having like fingered gloves is a big problem and a pain. So now right. I, I will wear fingerless gloves because also with most fingerless gloves, you can just kind of pull them so that your fingers aren't exposed to the wind. Right. And then when you need to, you just kind of pull them down. Right. And it, it, this is unfortunate because I feel like the narrative around fingerless gloves has not caught up to the reality of uh, right. a touchscreen world. No, it has not. And I feel like, you know, maybe along with you wearing some gorgeous skirts, you can redefine the narrative yourself, Jared. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's your whole look now is <laughs> just skirts and fingerless gloves. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm like Avril Lavigne. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, dude, if you want to just borrow a, a necktie that's pre-tied, that's going over a t-shirt or whatever the hell she was doing. Yes. Yeah. You know, by like the end of last, like, like during like the vaccination process mm -hmm. and like feeling like that was like this stretch, this like bottom of the knife, so to speak, which is turning out to not really be what it was. Yeah. Um, but like in that time, my taste and my musical taste was just getting worse and worse by the day. What are we talking about here? Because, so I needed like nostalgia. So I was listening to like 2001, 2002, 2003. Right. And a lot of it was like 2004, like Caucasian summer bops. Right. <laughs> like, like, you know, like, like emo and yellow car. on TRL. Everything. That was yeah. On. Yeah. Yeah. Like truly by the end of it, I was like ready to download Haley Duff's album. Oh my God. So it was like, yeah. Haley, like Haley Duff, what yellow card, a simple plan. Yeah. 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 Simple plan was really getting me through it. And then also Avril Lavigne and not even just like, like Avril Lavigne, like original Avril Lavigne. I would listen to like fourth album Avril Lavigne. Like, <laughs> Whoa. I don't even know what that looks or sounds like. There's this song. I think it's called, it's literally called What the Hell. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I think the chorus is just like, what the hell, what the hell, what the hell, what the hell. 
Right. Uh, and it's it's as it's as bad as it sounds, but uh, I listened to it probably eighty thousand times because a young person uh, did a TikTok to it. Wow. And that's all I really need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, are have you come back from the the other side? And has have your musical taste got more pretentious again? Maybe a little. Maybe a little. Maybe a little. I I, I was enjoying sort of the reckless um, abandon of like just listen to bad music, mm-hmm. live your life. Yeah. Also, um, I don't believe in guilty pleasures, Jared. Just like yeah. Just enjoy it. Um, but I also do like, you know, finding, finding little, little gems so, and holding them up and saying, this is mine. I invented it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is mine. And if it ever gets more popular than it is right now, then like, whatever, you know, yeah. um, I feel like, you know, probably a good entryway back into modern music maybe more like stuff that's on pitchfork you know just like a bridge would be uh olivia rodrigo yeah 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 paramore yep yep yeah uh, and then you can get into man i list like i if people want to call me pretentious for my musical taste by all means i will own it i just listened there's a lot of stuff that's like could be described as avant-garde or just jazz people still hate jazz and I do mm-hmm. like a lot of jazz. Yeah. You know, yeah. I feel like there's two different kinds of jazz. There's like the the frantic jazz. Mm-hmm. And then there's like Starbucks jazz. Sure. And as someone from Long Island, my experience of jazz is Starbucks jazz. Right. Um, and I I love, I mean, I I what makes it's like an instant relax. Sure. You know? Right. I think, well, there's, there, I'm not saying that James and a pumpkin frappuccino. Right. You know? Yeah. (laughs) You know, what's crazy to me about like Starbucks jazz is that Starbucks jazz used to be like in its inception, like when the originators of what is now Starbucks jazz created it, they were considered like frantic and like they lived lives like rappers did where they would take like guns into the studio to try to get their master tapes and stuff like that or like they uh-huh. would have to you know make a new album so they could like you know uh supply <laughs> handle their drug problem you know mm-hmm. um and now it's like it's i mean kenny g is within the sphere of starbucks jazz but there's a lot of like that jazz now that's just like kind of relaxing easy yeah um but yeah, I mean, I there's lots of that that I enjoy. I don't know if I know, enjoy like current recordings of it, but like old recordings from the 60s and 70s and 50s, I really love. Um, hmm. And then, I mean, wow, what a what a very simple <laughs> way to divide jazz. Starbucks jazz, which I, I very much feel. And then frantic jazz. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, well, there are people that are just tired of that jazz continuing on as is. And they want to do something different. And I mean, that's been going on since, I mean, like Miles Davis. I mean, he's, I took jazz history in college. That's why. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Miles is credited with changing jazz, like supposedly five times. Um, And one of which came after he saw. You know, I've been credited with changing my set. uh, No times. No times. (laughs) 
are you still opening with like people think I'm gay and guess yeah. what people are good at thinking yes you know that I am <laughs> it'll be 2038 and I'll be like so I'm Japanese and Jewish a boy yo 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 yoing And because we haven't solved racism at that time, it'll still kill. It'll still hit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. sure. They'll be playing it at Starbucks. <laughs> oh, my God. What would that be like? Is like, like, all of a sudden, between Starbucks jazz albums, like, comedy pops up? Yeah. I mean, talk of a coffee shop. That's, what it, that's, that's the definition of a coffee shop. It's like, right. when you least expect it, poetry. Poetry. I mean, obviously we're biased, but ambush poetry versus ambush comedy. What is worse? Hmm. I mean, I'm, I mean, I guess I'm biased, but I, I would say poetry is worse. Right. Because at least like with comedy, it's like there's a there's a voyeurism, you know? Right, right, right. right. Like either it's really funny and you're going, oh, my God, that's funny. You're laughing or it's really bad. And you're going, oh, my God, look. Look. I've never watched somebody like read their poem and be like, oh my God. You know? I dude, I've seen that once and the poet got heckled, and it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Wow, yeah. There, I mean, doing stand-up in LA, I mean, you're bound to end up on a on a poetry lineup. Right. And you know, there's there's an earnest, is it earnestness? Yeah. Earnesty. Earnest- no earnestness or you could say earnesty sure we'll make that one word there's that um and look and this is why i'm not a poet okay because i don't know my words (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah there's there's a there's an energy there that is Uh it'll just right inhospitable for someone like myself yeah I, it was, it was years and years ago. And it was, I think it was just like a, well, it was a mixed open mic, but it was mostly poetry. But I remember mm-hmm. the poet on stage, they, they were doing the very stereotypical like cadence, like repeating this phrase over and over. And they were like, my next boyfriend is going to treat me right. My next boyfriend is not going to give me HPV. My next boyfriend is America. My next boyfriend is, and like, then they stumbled and they were like, then mumbling my next boyfriend over and over like they were trying to remember the lyrics to like a song oh man yeah and you could see that they were struggling and somebody in the crowd was like yo i'm your next boyfriend and then like everybody lost it oh that's sweet (laughs) so look you can come for poetry but you cannot come for the poetry community no the poets yeah they're good come, <laughs> no matter your opinion on Rupi Carr and whether that's actually poetry or not, uh, you can't come for her now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, it sounds like that poem, poet, poet, that poet needs, um, you know, you need little tricks in, mm-hmm. in, in performance. Right. And I, I don't memorize my sets. I almost right. never do. If I yeah. do, it, it's that sort of, that's the, that's, that's a departure from what I'm normally up to. Right. And if you just think of a little bit for mm-hmm. when you look at your phone or look at your notes or whatever, right. you know, you get through it. I feel like I, one, of you, one of your little tricks is just tossing your gorgeous hair. <laughs> look over here. <laughs> yeah. Lately, I'll make a big number out of it. 
even if I, even if I don't need to look at my phone, which is almost never, but sometimes I don't need to, and I'll just do it anyway, because I like it. Right. Uh, but when it's time to look at my notes, right. I will hold up my phone mm-hmm. and I will just stare dead eyed into it until the energy in the room is completely died. Yeah. And then I will say, sorry, I'm just hopping onto a zoom. <laughs> And, and now that's like one of my favorite jokes. And it's like, sometimes I don't forget, I don't have to look at my phone, but I just will anyway, cause I want right. to say that. <laughs> and it's that's like, funny. that's the kind of thing I can't tell that joke. I mean, hope, I hope to God, I can't tell that joke for the rest of our life. Right. But um, for now it, we can. And <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Um, it would be great if you actually did get on a Zoom for a show. I, cause you know what? I saw Christina Catherine Martinez do this months ago where she was doing an outdoor show. Mm-hmm. It was like clowning and then literally went 200 feet away with like a zoom. ring light. Yeah, and did a Zoom show. Yes, I, I saw some people in New York doing that. <laughs> that's so wild. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the true <laughs> grind. That is the true grind. Well, I want to hear more of what you've been up to, but you want to get to some comedy news? Yeah, let's do that. I'd rather talk about other people. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so first on the docket. Just one of the funniest people around, period. Nicole Byer is finally getting an hour special on Netflix. Um, I would tell you the date and time and place that it will be recorded for you to get tickets. But guess what, guys? It's already sold out. Um, Yep. Two tapings in New York. Uh, Nicole Byer is uh, I don't know why it's taken this long for her to get an hour special. She's been doing Nailed It for Netflix for years. I think she's been too busy. Probably. But like she has. All right. So Nicole is just so funny. And like, I feel like she just has an hour in her period, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if you just put Nicole up on stage for an hour, it will be great. Like, whatever you taped, you know? Yeah. The first time I saw Nicole was at the Improv Lab. Right. Which is famously a cursed space. <laughs> Who no, cursed nothing it? good happens. Yeah. Who hosted? I don't remember. Because all I can remember is Nicole's performance, which was so funny. Like, scream laughing funny oh yeah in a room where chuckling is like an accomplishment like it it was such a it's such a negative space truly to just hear the the main room explosions of laughter and Uh, celebrity and joy right echo through the the improv lab as you're performing for like five people Mm -hmm. who didn't plan on going to a comedy club who didn't want to um, pay whatever extra to see the main room show. Right. Oh God. And she just ripped, she just right. ripped up there. And it was like, I was mesmerized. Right. So much so that I went up after, I went up to her afterwards to just right. Google. That's awesome. So I'm you excited. Know, oh, what, what's that? I'm excited to see her special. Yeah, me too. Especially for the fact, so, um, Nicole has had a Netflix special, but it was only a half hour. Yeah, and it was like the world one. It was the world one where they did like 30 specials from around the world. Um, 
And well, the thing is, it was all in English, so it truly wasn't that global. Um, mm. But yeah, they they simultaneously released dozens and dozens of specials uh, from comedians all around the world. And man, uh, their American choices were I be- and I believe Nicole, uh, um, Crystalia, and <laughs> Nick Swartzen. I think that was the American. Yes, choice. you're right. Isn't that I, wild? I watched the Nick Swartzen one. Yeah, was it good? Yeah. Anyways, Nicole getting an hour. I mean, she should. I I felt like when she got her half hour from that whole global thing that was like almost a disservice to her like she already deserved like a special that didn't have the fanfare of a bunch of other comedy specials Mm, yeah yeah i agree yeah it it took it took doing nailed it for years like being the go-to host for competitive reality uh game shows um and hosting i don't know seven podcasts at the same time uh, for all right, we'll let her do an hour. We'll let her do an hour. Anyways, uh, that is coming at a date TBD, but it will be recorded uh later this year. Like I said, New York City. Uh, I don't know, check her socials and maybe they'll release more tickets, guys. Also, more good news. White Lotus, well, probably one of the best new TV series or miniseries on uh on television right now. Got renewed for season two. Um, also, apparently, it is the currently most watched series on HBO Max. Really? Yeah, like I like being actively watched right now. Incredible. I mean, it's so good. It's, it's so, so good. good. Yeah. And it really grows. It really grows. Every episode is better than the last. Yeah. I love that. I mean, you know, for something that seems like such a simple premise of, you know, like, oh, these overprivileged, entitled, like, white people go to this resort and you kind of see them unravel. I mean, you know, that's one facet of it, but then there's this like suspense element. Cause there's like, you know, the series and I'm not really giving anything away guys, but it opens with like, Oh, there's like a dead body that, you know, is going to be transported back to the mainland. And you're, you don't know who it is. I keep thinking about that the whole time. Yeah. I, I keep forgetting about it and then trying to remember, but then, I don't know. I'm really, I like, I don't want to fast. Like it's, I feel like I'm on vacation with them. And like, <laughs> normally, like I'm trying to fast forward through so much of my life, except right. for when I'm on a trip or on vacation where I'm like, no, slow it down. Like enjoy every day. And I think I, that's my experience with the show too, where I'm like, I'm so glad it's not over every day. It's not over. I'm like, Oh yeah. I don't want to find out who dies because then, then it will be over. Right. And I don't want it to be over. Yeah, me either, man. Uh, I just want um, Armand to keep getting more and more unhinged. Uh, I mean, talk about someone like having their moment. Like that man, he played, uh, he was, uh, he had like a small part uh, on Sex in the City. Oh, like, really? Yeah. Wow. He played like Carrie's gay husband mm-hmm. when she was with Aiden. Mm-hmm. And she like when Aiden was like too much of a straight guy to want to go dancing, she <laughs> go out with him. Right. Um, and the end of the storyline was that gay boyfriends are are bad because they'll leave you for other men. <laughs> which is true. Which is true. Right. Um, and that was his story. And I remember, you know, being like just too young to be watching Sex in the City. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just being amazed by everything I saw. And then this handsome man 
who was playing gay, who really seemed really gay, like authentically gay. And I just remember thinking like, wow, Mm -hmm. that man has it all. Right. And then I didn't see him again until looking. And I was like, oh my God, it's, that's the guy. That's the guy. He has a mustache now. Right. Um, and, and looking was great, but, you know, it didn't last very long. And then, and then for now him to be on this show and right. to so be the center of this like wheel, mm-hmm. it's like, that is like really cool. I mean, I, he, like, man, he's been, he's been at it for decades. And look at him go. Look at him go. Look at him go. I mean, people talk about Jennifer Coolidge having her moment. I mean, she's had her oh. moment anytime when she's there, but and she's so, so great in the show. Yes. Have you seen the most recent episode this weekend's? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, how her, her, oh, all of it. Her speech to Natasha Rothwell yep. about the onion. Yep. And then revealing the onion to yep. her, her, her neighbor. Right, almost like it's a rehearsed onion where like, I'm gonna have this breakdown, this prescribed breakdown. <laughs> and, and when and he like, looks at her and he goes, come here, crazy. I'm like, ah! I was screaming. I was screaming. Oh man, so many good moments in that show. Ah! Yeah, who do you, who do you think you watch the show? Like whose lens do you think you watch the show through? If any. Hmm. Whose lens do I watch the show through? I don't know, because here's the thing. They're all terrible. Yes. That's what I like about the show. It reminds me of Succession. Right. It's really fun. Like, I, I feel like there was such an importance put on likability of characters, like right. when we were younger, that right. we, I think we've abandoned. I think like right. Breaking Bad was helpful in that. Like, always, this, I, would, I would credit Always Sunny in Philadelphia for that. Huh? It's always sunny in Philadelphia for that. Like they explicitly. Oh yeah, no. This is probably a lot of a lot of. This is like a a, a slow moving shift. Um, and I'm glad it's here because it's fun. Because when you watch it, you you just want drama because you don't care. You're like, yeah, ruin it all. Spend the money. Hurt the person. Right. Did it? Like just make it happen. Like I just want to watch all of these people burn. Right. And that is a a really fun thing about the show. Although in this last episode, it was very hard to watch. Uh, to watch Kai mm-hmm. do what Kai felt yeah. had to happen. Right. That was real. I was like, uh, it was the first time in the show that I that I cared and that I was like, no, like, no, like I wanted to, I wanted to stop him, you know, be like, no, don't do this, don't do this. Um, yeah. You don't feel bad for Natasha Rothwell trying to get her small business off the ground? Here's, I really did when like when their power dynamic shifted of like Natasha just being like oh, this, this woman this woman to then realizing this woman could potentially change her life right and then watching her switch to like catering to her was heartbreaking was yeah, so yeah. hard to watch mm-hmm. um, but I think at, at this point in their story I, uh, I I know I don't feel that way anymore I'm I'm, I'm kind of like you got to move on. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you got to move on. Like this is right. There's so many red flags here. You got to just move on. Oh yeah. I, I think, I, I think, and I trust that there, there will be more twists that come that kind of put me right back into pulling for Natasha. Yeah. 
I think Rachel's going to have a huge, huge meltdown, and I can't wait for it. Rachel. The Alexandra Daddario. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 She's another one, too, where it's like, initially felt for her. Seven episodes in, I'm like, babe, we got to... <laughs> Right. I'm like me. I'm allowed to have my problems for 20 years. Television characters, you have five episodes and you need to move on. (laughs) Also, credit to Alexandra and Mike White, the creator and writer and director Uh, of this series. Mike Uh, White. um, Like previous to White Lotus, Alexandra Daddario, and I'm so sorry, was just in a lot of trash. Like just a lot of. Oh, like. Broad like Transformer, Transformers and stuff. and I mean, like, or like a lot of broad comedies that just like would come in and out of theaters and just like played off the fact that she's like really hot. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, was she in Baywatch? I think she, yeah, she was in the Baywatch with The Rock. Yeah, yeah. So was she was, that was like her bread and butter for a long time. Yeah. And I saw her in this. I'm like, okay, what is she doing here? <laughs> What, why? why? Wait, honestly, isn't, that, isn't that often the trajectory? Like, right. and I think that says a lot about the Hollywood machine. Oh, sure. Like so many of our like iconic award winning winning women, started out for a huge chunk, like just kind of like sauntering on, mm-hmm. winking, and then like winking. sauntering away. And then it's not until like, 10 years later that they're even really given a chance to do something and everyone's like ah, this dramatic turn for like Charlize Theron right. um, but it's like she was always able to do that but nobody would let her right I mean like fortunately they have incredible looking faces and bodies <laughs> <laughs> yes yes before pieces of a woman and that historical lesbian drama uh, that, that I'm forgetting the name of Vanessa Kirby was in a Fast and Furious movie. Wait, who? Vanessa Kirby. Who's that? Vanessa Kirby. Well, she did play, I th- believe, Princess Margaret in one of the seasons of The Crown. Um, but she was in, mm. in this Netflix movie with Shia LaBeouf called Pieces of a Woman, where she did like this 20 minute one take scene of giving birth that we like everybody talked about. It's great. Um, yeah, yeah. And then she was, you know, no one's giving me the opportunity to do that. And that's what I'm here on this podcast today to say, let me, Yeah. look, I know my hair is incredible. Mm -hmm. I know these eyebrows show stopping, but let me give birth for 20 minutes in one take. Yes. I'm, I'm here. The platform's here. Say, say your piece. (laughs) Then said, it's been said. Well, <laughs> the network streaming services, uh, you've been put on notice. You have to have Jerry Goldstein do a single take birthing scene. It's it's going to be award winner for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but um, like she she was in Hobbs and Shaw. I got to tell you, I got to hop off in like th- four minutes. Four minutes. Oh, so wow. We need to land the plane. We got to yeah. land it. Okay. Fair, fair, fair. Okay. So let's just like... Okay, how about this? I'm just gonna say some some like two more news items and then we'll like wrap it up. 
lightning round? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like normally we, you know, it'd be just kind of like this. And then we uh, talk a little bit more about what you're doing, but okay. So Bingo, Bill Ingvall announced he was retiring from stand-up. I can't believe people still do announcements of retiring. Uh, that's weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, South Park uh, just recently re-upped to Comedy Central with this massive deal worth $900 million. Um uh, Chris Estrada's uh, vehicle, uh, called now called This Fool, uh, previously called Punk Ass Bitch, got ordered to series at Hulu, um, and he is uh, creatively partnered with Matt Ingebretson, uh Pat Bishop, and Jake Weissman uh, to basically do a show uh, about his life. Um, and last news item I'm going to mention here, Bam Margera is suing Paramount and Spike Jones for uh, being ousted from Jackass Forever for violating a wellness contract. Um, well, you know, <laughs> that normally would have represented like a half hour or maybe 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyways, I mean, like, I'm really glad to have you on the pod. Do you, and I know you, of the four minutes, I feel like we have two minutes and 30 seconds now. Mm-hmm. Um, so any like like final summations of, you know, your comedy experience in New York thus far versus Los Angeles. Like, you know, if you want to put fuel on the LA versus New York fire, which I think is dumb, feel free. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So far I've had so much fun. Uh Uh, Everyone's been really hospitable and great. And the shows are run so well, so well. a lot of shows are paying comics, which is great. It seems like more shows are paying. Now, what are they paying? You know, anywhere from 20 to honestly like a hundred bucks. Hell yeah. Shows. For a spot. Um, I know the clubs sometimes pay that for spots, but like uh, other shows pay that as yeah. well. Yeah, it's, it's great. I, I think it's important. Um, it, it's, it, it's just, it says that you care and Mm-hmm. It, it, it helps it helps you know to not lose money to have to go to a show to perform right. uh is a, is a very is a very cool thing um so it's been it's been a great experience that's great uh i am gonna try to make it to new york for at least two weeks before the end of the year uh i just gotta figure out where the hell, where the hell i'm gonna stay <laughs> <laughs> the bureau still is not a huge money maker <laughs> mm. uh hopefully well i mean like well you know uh i mean i gotta make a concentrated push to you know connect the dots for people who are in new york like hey it covers new york you can you can use it you should use it you should use it and support it but you know that's in the weeks to come mm-hmm. yeah i think uh, new yorkers will re- really dig it um, well, it's been really, like I said, great to have you on, Jared. Always love seeing you around. Uh, where is there anything else that you would like to promote? Where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me at Hey Jared Hey on Twitter and Instagram. Great. Uh, and his 30 made up shows are posted all over. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'll not be at Q tonight and he won't be at Sesh Comedy tomorrow and wherever else. Yeah, just don't go to Union Hall. Don't go to the Bell House. Yeah, he won't be at any of those places. No, 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 no. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Jake. 
Absolutely. Uh, I'm Jay Kroger. I run the Comedy Bureau. The Comedy Bureau is at thecomedybureau.com, at the Comedy Bureau across socials. You can find me on Instagram at Not the Supermarket and on Twitter at MFJ Kroger. There are a lot of great causes to support this time. I ask you to support those. But if you have money or generosity left over, please support the Bureau because it's been almost 11 years for me running it all on my own. Um, and with that said, do you have anything to say as we sign off? Watch the White Lotus on HBO Max. Yes. Uh, and live comedy is still happening, everybody. And so go support it. And as a great Brody Stevens would say, enjoy it. Woo! Tommy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Guineo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.